I don't know if any of you realize there's something different about the front of the sanctuary. Yes, there's two chairs there, but there's something missing. And when I took it down, I thought, is the place going to fall down? Because something is missing. Does anybody know what is missing? The cross. The gold cross is missing. In studying for this message on the ascension of Jesus, I started thinking about the symbols that we have for Christianity. We've just been through a time of looking at the cross of Christ and thinking about it because Jesus died on the cross for us. Then the following three days later, we thought about the empty tomb as being a good symbol because Jesus rose. But neither one of those symbols seemed appropriate for today. Because today we're going to talk about the ascension of Jesus. Now whenever I hear ascension, it's usually connected with Easter or Resurrection Day. In fact, many times I see a cross with a purple cloth on it and a crown on top. But Resurrection Day is not the day Jesus is raised into his kingship. It's Ascension Day. Ascension Day, 40 days after Easter, or the day Jesus was resurrected. This is the day Jesus ascends. But the important thing is not that he ascended, but he ascended to something. Most of the time we see pictures, depictions of Christ ascending in the clouds. And there's a reason for that. It says that in the Bible. But it doesn't say that Jesus ascended to the clouds. It says he ascended through the clouds. He was going someplace else. And that's what's most important. Because if we don't think about and talk about where Jesus went to, something's going to be missing in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. By the way, today isn't Ascension Day. Forty days from the resurrection is actually this Thursday. But I thought today would be a good day to talk about it, and then we can anticipate Thursday. Let me backtrack for just a minute. We've been talking the past couple weeks and just inserting into our service remembrances of some of the things that Jesus taught his disciples between the time he was resurrected and the time he ascends. He wasn't done teaching. He appeared to the disciples and told them certain things, and we've been looking at a few of those things. If you open up your bulletin to the inside, at the bottom, you can see Jesus' important teachings just before ascension. Acts chapter 1, the whole chapter, talks about this time period. Here's some of the important things that Jesus, I'm going to say taught, but it's really reminded the disciples about. He had taught them before. He had spoken these things before. But don't you know they needed a reminder? And the exciting thing for me is, we need reminders today. 
We are taught the same things today, 2,000 years later. And guess what? Should the Lord tarry, 2,000 years from now we'll be teaching the same things. Because this is the Christian faith and these are the things Jesus wanted to impress on the hearts of his disciples and therefore for us. Let's just go through these things quickly. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And, number 1, he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. He had to show them that he was risen. How did he do that? He showed up. Here I am. He ate with them. He talked with them. He said, touch me. I'm real. I have risen. We need to be reminded of the same things today. Jesus is alive. The second thing, second part of verse 3. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. The first thing he spoke about in his ministry was the kingdom of God. Now he's about to ascend. It's one of the last things he talks about, the kingdom of God. It's always about the kingdom. It's always about the Father and how he rules and runs his kingdom. And what part Jesus has in it, and therefore, because of what he went through, what part you have in it. It's always about the kingdom. We're going to be talking about the kingdom till Jesus returns. And we still won't get to the bottom of it. We'll still need to be reminded. And revelation will come to us up to that moment. Oh, glory, we won't need revelation after that because we'll be with Jesus. The third thing, find in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit that we get. Because Jesus leaves, he says, it's better for you that I leave. Then every single person will be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. The disciples, up to this point, didn't have the spirit that they're going to have. I'll put it that way. Because the end of the book of John, in chapter 20, it says Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on them. I'm going to save that for Pentecost Sunday. So they had the spirit in some way, but not the fullness of the spirit that you have. But an important teaching here is the Holy Spirit is for every believer. The fourth thing I find in the end of verse 11. He will return from heaven. Jesus is telling the disciples, he's coming back. He'll return at a given time for a certain purpose at that moment. When is that time going to be? Even Jesus didn't know. Isn't that amazing? The Father knew. He didn't tell Jesus when. And Jesus was okay with that. I think I'm going to be okay with it too. And then the fifth thing. 
Jesus has ascended, but he's still showing what's important to the disciples. Verse 14. What happened as soon as he left? They all met together. They wanted to be with each other. Jesus had taught them, don't isolate yourself. You must be connected with other believers. Are we talking about the same thing in 2013? Sure are. We need each other. We need to be with each other for a purpose. Number six, right after that in verse 14, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Constantly united in prayer. Boy, prayer should be an important part of our life together. Not just you in your prayer closet. Corporately, I needed to be prayed for this morning by you. It's a part of my life. You're a part of my life. This group is a part of my life. It was right for you to pray for me this morning. It's right for you to pray in your prayer closet for me. But corporate prayer for me personally was vital to my life. They were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. You know, here we have the first truthful group of women who were included in some kind of faith group. I don't see how the feminist movement, quote-unquote, could look at Christianity and talk down on it. Here's the first real feminist movement. You know how scandalous it was for women to be included in anything? Except to be under the thumb of a husband? Or looked down upon because they weren't married? This is real feminism here. I don't want to get on that tangent. Prayer is essential, people. Everybody's prayers. Young people's prayers. Wives' prayers. Elders' prayers. Congregational prayers. It's all important. And then number seven, verses 16 through 23. Here they are, following the lead of God the best they can. These people aren't even baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. Yet they're trying to follow the lead of God in their everyday life. How to choose a leader. How to be together. These are the important teachings that Jesus was still reiterating to his disciples time after time after time. Why is that? Because it's a part of the gospel. He is giving his gospel message. Now look at the top of the inside your bulletin there. The gospel of Jesus. Please hear my heart. Now I, I think I said this a couple weeks ago. I'm not downplaying the cross of Christ. You and I can't be saved without it. I'm not downplaying the resurrection of Jesus, the empty tomb. We can't have life without that happening. But we can't focus on that and stay there forever. Here we are at Ascension Sunday. Jesus is ascending. The cross by itself won't give us what we need for life. The resurrection by itself will not give us what we need for life. 
The ascension by itself won't give us what we need for life. We've got to talk about Pentecost after that. You look at that list of eight things there. Here's an event. The anticipation of his coming. The sign, the prophetic voices. Celebration of Old Testament festivals. Part of the gospel message was leading up to when Christ was even here. The miracle of his birth. The signs of the holy manger. Celebration Christmas. The event, the truth of his teaching, the standing posture. You know, in the Jewish culture, when you teach, you stand up. Remember the time in the temple when Jesus was reading Isaiah? And he said, this scripture is fulfilled in the hearing of the people. He was standing up. Because after that, then he sat down. He ticked everybody off when he sat down. Because I believe, from some of the things I've read, he sat down in the empty chair that was meant for the Messiah. There was an empty chair in every synagogue because the Messiah was coming. Jesus sat in it. Boy, that torqued a few people up because he was done saying what he had to say and he sat down and said, well, let that sink in for a few minutes. Jesus is sitting down next to his father right now, but someday he's going to stand up again. And when he stands up, boy, something's going to happen. Hmm. Number four, the event is the need of his dying. The sign is the old rugged cross. Do you, do you realize the cross only started to become a Christian symbol in the second century? They didn't even have the cross as a symbol in the early church. It was so disgusting and revolting to them, they didn't want anything to do with the cross. I wonder what symbols they had. I don't know, but the cross wasn't it. Uh, number five, the victory of his raising, sign the empty tomb, celebration Easter. Number six, the awe of his rising. The awe of his rising. Acts 1, verses 9 and 10. After this saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven. Look, if you and I were there, could you imagine? Uh, what could you say? What would you think? But he wasn't just rising in the clouds. The writer of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 12, says, He's seated on the throne next to the Father. Okay, look up here, please. This is the symbol of the ascension. Jesus ascended to something. There's two thrones up. I looked online, I see a lot of pictures of the ascension. Jesus is sitting there on the throne. No. No. He's sitting next to his father. He's at the right hand of his father. From there, he's king. It's from there, he rules. We don't know how much he's ruling just yet. But we're going to know in the future. I was thinking about this. I was saying, should I put the Father's throne in the middle and the Son to one side on the right hand? Because Jesus would probably want to just give glory to his Father. No, I decided to put him equal. Because they are equal. They're equal in their desire to submit to the other one. Jesus submits to his Father. The Father submits to Jesus. Even though the Father retains his 
headship. Doesn't make sense to the human mind, but that's what it is in the Trinity. So the important thing about today is Jesus is ascending to some place, and that some place is a throne. I used to have a cross on my front yard. It was empty. I put it up a couple weeks before Easter. Just an empty cross. And then on Easter morning, I'd get up real early, and I'd put the purple cloth and the crown on the cross. I wouldn't do that today. Because that's not the time when Jesus gets his royalty, kingship. It's at the ascension, when he ascends to the throne and sits at the right hand of the Father. But there's more after this. We can't sit on the ascension and hang out. We've got to accept it, celebrate it, and know that there's more coming. They strained to see Jesus rising into heaven. Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return. There's another event going to come. The return of Jesus. What's the sign going to be? We're going to hear trumpets all over the place. And we're going to know that he's coming. Hello? It won't be a secret then. We'll see him come in the same way he left. And everybody's going to know. Celebration, I put eternal praise. But you know, maybe number seven on that list should be number eight and number eight and number seven. Though it's been announced, it hasn't happened yet. Now on the list, because we're only at Ascension Sunday, we're not at Pentecost yet. Pentecost really hasn't happened yet as we talk about it. Number eight on the list, the power of our living. There's one word different there than the other ones. His, 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 our. This is all (laughs) for your life. It's so you can have life. You can live the life that Jesus has for you. That's the gospel message, people. He's coming for you so that you can have life and you can live it right here and then be with Jesus and live it some more for a few years. How about eternity? In two weeks, I'm going to talk about Pentecost. The sign, the flaming tongue set on each one. Not time for that today. The cross, the empty tomb, and the heavenly throne still isn't enough. With those three, do you know how we would struggle to try to live the Christian life? It's impossible. You can't live it. The Holy Spirit can empower you to live it. So without Pentecost, we're in deep trouble. Even with all the work that Jesus did, there's something still to come that we desperately need. Oh, praise God, we have it. So now, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be in the waiting mode. We're going to be waiting for that Holy Spirit empowerment. The Holy Spirit baptism. The Bible calls it. I'm willing to call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit because that's what Jesus said. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So two weeks from today, that'll be our theme. 
Would you be praying about this the next couple of weeks? I'm not saying you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying, let's pray for a new, fresh, greater revelation of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit really means. It must be important. You know, I went to Calvary Chapel a couple times, listened to some praise band airplanes. They don't have a cross in front of their sanctuary. They got a dove descending. First time I went there, I said, what is this all about? The cross is over on the side. What are they trying to do here? Are they really Christians? How can I be Christian without a cross hanging in front of your sanctuary? I can see why they do that. I've thought about this, and God has revealed different things to me. I can see why they do that. That doesn't mean we're going to do it. If it was up to me, I'd put all the symbols up there. Boom, 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 boom. You need them all. We need to experience every part of the gospel for it to be real in our life. But I can see why Calvary Chapel does that. I don't know if that is an example of what the focus of their service is about or what the focus of their ministry is about. I don't know. I want our focus to be just Jesus. Jesus. Jesus walking amongst us. Jesus putting his arm around you. Jesus calling you when you're crying to come sit up on his lap. Jesus. Jesus every place, everything. Because that's where our life is, with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You have chosen to put me at this time period in history. There's times when I thought I should have been born another age. I thought World War II was up there for a while. But now you and I have the privilege of seeing the fulfillment of so much of the gospel message of Christ. And it should be a part of our life. It should be our life. We have so much revelation. We pray for more. Father, as we pray and we look to you and listen to you the next couple of weeks, give us something. May we come here two weeks from now. Just be ready in our hearts and our spirits to receive from something from you that we have not been able to receive before for whatever reason. We're ready, Lord, to move on in our faith, to move on in our walk with you. We can't do it. We can't study enough. We can't think enough. We can't walk fast enough. But you, by your Spirit, can give us what we're so longing for in our hearts. You're good, Lord. You are so good. You are the King. We see you seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father. We declare you to be our King today. Our Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And yes, Mike, we do surrender today again, don't we? We give ourselves over to the King of Kings. We bless you, Lord. We're yours. Thank you that we go with you as you go before us, behind us, beside us, above us, below us. We're excited to know you got something planned for us for this week, for next week, for this month, 
for next month. And you're going to take us through. Whatever comes, Lord, and it's going to be a blessing. So we praise you and thank you. You are our King. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace.